0: Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Mark, this series of questions that I've got for you today are a whole load of different questions, but they're all about how we approach our training and they're sort of... um, general sort of questions about uh, the psychology behind training which I find really interesting personally and I, and I hope you will too. The first question is from Leanne and she would like to know, her question is can horses try you out to make things more difficult for you? So I think she means can they test you?
1: Uh, horses are constantly, uh, especially, especially horses that are curious and um, you know, some horses that some horses explore and are more curious than others. Other horses are quite content at standing still and just, you know, being fairly calm and not being over playful, exploratory, things like that. But horses are constantly testing in the sense that they're constantly thinking, uh, well, not the shutdown ones, but I'm talking about the thinking ones. They're thinking and every time they do something, um, something happens and then after that thing happens, it obviously something else happens depending on what, you know, what somebody did or if there was a fence there, or if there was a horse that said, oh, get away from my hay. So I think horses are constantly communicating and it depends what communication they get back as to whether they're testing. And I think horses, you could say test us because they they do something and they're either they're coming out of wanting a response, they're showing, showing us something because they're anxious um, they're pushing because their thoughts are somewhere else and they, they, they're they thinking, I want to go towards that, depending on the answer we give them is depending on if they keep testing it or not. So, but I don't think horses deliberately go, I'm going to deliberately find a way out of everything because I want to, I don't, you know, I think they they work in the moment in the sense of my friends are over there and I want to be over there because I feel safe or feel better over there. I don't want to be here. So they, they test the boundaries to find out whether they can go over there. So yes, they're testing because there's a reason for them to want to be somewhere else. Um, So yeah, a good horse is constantly searching and testing all the time and a good, uh, operator is clear with intention and boundaries. So the horse, ends up following the feel of the person's idea opposed to constantly testing the boundaries. So an example would be, is a horse pacing up and down a fence or walking up and down a fence, finding little twiddly bits of grass here and there. Um, it's going to search and test that fence all day to get little bits of grass. But if it was a very good fence, uh, the horse wouldn't worry about the grass on the other side. it would go and stand under a tree and just rest or something or go and drink some water, go some do something else. So, so basically, if your horse is constantly testing, I think sometimes the boundaries are unclear.
0: So there's a bit of feedback coming back for it to sort of go. Oh, I might be able to push here, and I get sort of get somewhere. Because I've often seen. Um, we were talking about this just before we did the the, uh, the sort of um, recording, and. I see you, people, you know, you be someone will have, be riding a horse at a clinic and, you know, and you'll say, well, can I just jump on it for a second and you'll get on, and all of a sudden you see the horse kind of change <laughs> and it relaxes and it holds itself in a different frame and, and everyone's like, oh, the horse knows. Can you just explain what's happening in those scenarios? You know, is it you? Or do they go, oh, I can't, there's no point in even no. trying <laughs> with this guy?
1: Well, well the horse is, um... oh, oh, just to make Two, two things on this is some horses, uh, Yeah, you know, I might hold the rope and the horse stops testing me because, one, I'm a new person. They don't know who I am. They see, see me standing quite calm and they don't test me because they don't know me, whereas the person that was holding them before, they know them. So out of association, they know that that person has been known to have unclear boundaries and, and there's certain things that have either... Uh, You know being rewarded or being vague so they're still testing but with a new person there's an element of caution so purely by a new person holding the ropes looking very calm and strong that person that horse won't test because um because of the caution that horse has and caution is a very good thing in horses so the caution that horse has with that new person makes him a bit more observant and they start to recognize that this person is strong and they have a strong intention and maybe they won 't test certain things, so when I get on a horse it 's not like that I get on the horse and the horse goes, "Oh here 's a new person I'm going to be obedient because they're different. They just present some thought to me and i I um pick up a feeling in a certain way that is different, and they recognize what's available and what's unavailable, so very quickly they will soften whereas um, what I try and say to people is like a door per sheep they're the ones that rub their wool off and they might and, and they're but they're known to make holes in fences or find holes in fences and then make bigger holes, okay? So a door per sheep will, might be rubbing its wool off on the fence one day and feel a weak spot and then go, oh, I might make a hole there. Yeah? And they make a hole in the fence and then they will get out into the next next pasture. So um, same with horses. Horses will be constantly searching and testing for certain feedback, depending on the feedback is depending on the decision they make, make next. Uh, and also depending on how much caution they have next time uh, and things like that. So yes, horses, if we're getting tested all the time by our horses and they're not testing someone else, then there's obviously a lack of clarity in what we're providing to our horses that is causing them to hunt for holes a bit more. Mm-hmm. Or Some horses are just communicating too, like they communicate. Uh, and some people, because of the way they hang around their horses, this is on another, another sort of page, I suppose. As I was talking to someone one day and I said, maybe don't pat your horse and groom it every time it does something right. And they said, why? I thought it was good for it to reward it. I said, yeah, but the horse doesn't know whether it's in a mutual grooming sort of relaxed relaxation frame of mind or a cautious kind of work frame of mind. So it's constantly bouncing between the two. And that's why it's getting narky and a bit angry because it kind of wants to be in that relaxed grooming side of things. And you're constantly asking it a question and then you're grooming it. So it's going between these two emotional sort of states and I don't think it's healthy for the horse I think it's either going to be sort of you know cautiously thinking way through a situation or let's stand under a tree and have some mutual grooming and just groom each other
0: right so it's the classroom versus the break
1: yeah style. yeah and, I, and a lot of people use the uh their their break time type rewards like food rewards in a classroom situation can cause if we're not careful anxiety in horses and the constantly and so it's a lot of people who say apply positive reinforcement without a certain clarity. Then they get these horses that are constantly testing all the time because they're thinking about a reward and wondering how they can get it. So they've created so much curiosity or too much curiosity, not enough caution. So, you know, caution, curiosity is like the, the kind of like the balance of everything. So a horse with too much curiosity and lacks caution will constantly be testing and poking holes and finding holes. And uh, they could be the ones that seem annoying to other horses and things like that. They're constantly in there and the other horses get sick of them after a while. So curiosity gets horses into horse floats. And if they don't have caution, then they get a fright and jump out never to go into horse float again. So, so the horses have to have the exact right balance of curiosity and caution. And I, and I think understanding that, that's when you get horses that uh, they, they stand quietly, they think through things well, uh they know boundaries um and but they still have the right amount of caution to search uh sorry curiosity to search
0: yeah nice so so when you're riding a horse, it's your clarity and it's your consistency that's really defining um maybe that sort of accurate train of thought that makes them so so trainable when you're on their back that we all see it's a pleasure to watch you ride um so you mentioned in there about um treats and positive you know sort of feedback that we can give. I've got a question here that's from Miriam who um has explained in quite a lot of detail about what she's been doing with her horse and it's it's too it's you know it's so much detail that I, I can't read it out on this podcast but um just to give you the general idea she's been working under Mark's techniques with her horse both on the ground and under saddle she's monitoring um, the tension that she sees. She's able to get some really good responses and sort of adapt her training to what the horse is needing as she's going. So she's really sort of quite um, offering a whole load of different scenarios, looking at the brace, letting go brace, moving on to another area, coming back to that brace, seeing if she can get the horse to relax more. So she's really quite interested in getting her horse to be um, having less tension and a lot more um, relaxed Um, sort of feeling in there but she does say that her horse is quite easily distracted and she can gaze off into the distance so to keep her attention she's been starting to reward her which with treats which she doesn't sort of normally do but she has gone down this track with this particular horse so the reward is you know she's done something right and she's trying to keep her in that right mental learning frame of mind from what I can work out so she's not destinating um so miriam would like to know if she's sort of on the track now you've read what she's put down it's a lot of information are there any comments that you can give to miriam and anything that you'd like to say about what she has been doing with her training so far
1: um there's this firstly miriam like i i want to say something um and this is only just uh it don't take it personally it's more just an observation um, and it I could uh, and it could be a completely wrong observation. Um, do you remember there's a saying that I get off people a lot that do clinics? When we were kids, we just got on and rode. I wish I didn't know what I know now. I wished I was like I was when I was young, when you didn't see all this stuff and know all this stuff, when you could just get on and ride and enjoy your horse. But we didn't worry about if horses had emotions or not. You just got on and rode, and it was fun, and you jumped things, and you... Just go out, and and the more you know, and I went through the same process. The more I know, that or knew that the more I sometimes wished I didn't know, because the more observant I became, the more I noticed certain things. The more I tried to help certain changes in horses, and when I first started directing a horse's thought and really understanding that sort of principle a bit more, I, I must have say I, I probably um tried too hard in the sense that I started to focus on everything all the time when the horse was looking there, how can I, because I'm a thinking person, how can I change that, how can I encourage this, how can I do that and I must must say I I, I think I might have um sort of started to notice too many things and then, but noticing them is fine, I think I thought I noticed them I had to do something about them all the time and I think that was where I then some years later, I realised I'd backed off a lot and I said, I know what the horse needs. I don't have to notice everything and change everything as it presents all the time. And I started to know what they need more and, and the, what type of horse it was and things like that. And that's that's where I started to make better progress. And, and it, like an example one day was a lady came to a clinic and the horse would look out on the lunge. So she did a very good job of getting it to sort of focus in. But then if the horse, if you were doing something and the horse and you weren't engaging with that horse or doing something, the horse would suddenly just take off, like boom, and it'd just take off. And I said to her, that we've got to let that horse go. We've got to let it find its own answers. Um, and I think it made a difference, and I see that a lot at clinics, you know, that, you know, oh, the horse looked away, it thought out there, I might just get its attention, bring it back. And Whereas I might come in and say, no, 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 give that horse a long rope, let it go to the end of that long rope, let it make a decision, let it go towards its thoughts, let it destinate a little bit, Whatever it has to do, let's see what happens. Where does this go? Where, what, where, what does it lead to? And then what can we do after that to fix it? So, so what I'm trying to sort of say is just so you can monitor yourself a little bit and work out if you, even if you use my techniques or other techniques, don't try too hard to get everything exactly right. Just try and allow that horse some room to kind of maybe destinate a little bit, see where it goes. Um, The biggest thing I say to people is just see if your horse is adjustable, which you probably already know that and you've been working on that by what I've seen. But let it destinate a little bit. See where that destinating goes when it gazes off. See if it just ends up off the planet. Wait a little bit, then get its thoughts back and see what happens. Okay? Start to change things up in that sense a little bit, um, you know, instead of saying, let go of that focus here, don't try and make the horse in the perfect frame of mind to train all the time. So, so you know, don't put so much responsibility on yourself to, to have that. Maybe just set up some simpler lessons. Like um, there, there, there's nothing better than just tricky terrain, obstacle stuff where the horse has got to think through, you know, logs, rocks, downhills, uphills, scary things in the bushes to keep a horse open and engaging with its environment and also with the help that we can provide. So what I'm saying is don't perfect everything inside. Don't go in and hone in too much on things. Maybe just work on the principle that can you let go of that thought so at least the horse can follow the rein and come back to you. Doesn't have to be fully connected with you all the time, and, and it, but it might just take its time uh, to, to get a better connection. So you, you may want that stronger connection, but the horse might need a few other things. So so um after you you've addressed those needs, then you'll get a deeper connection later on. Um so so don't um and, and, and if you're starting to feel you need treats to keep the horse interested, it means your your mind is really thinking I need to keep my horse really interested and and you're and you're starting to worry about it a bit. I would maybe just to keep your horse interested, uh take it places so instead of using treats which um, I guess treats, good things, but they, they, they develop curiosity. But unfortunately, treats don't develop caution. So you want caution, curiosity. You want to keep the caution in the horse. So um, it sounds like she's a horse that needs, she is worried about things and certain things that are going on. So she's got a lot of caution. But um, I would I would tend to, yeah, as I say, I would, if you had somewhere, you could just take her, even if your hand led her through the bush. Let her step over logs and think through situations like that. If she gets a strong thought, let it go a little bit, see what happens. If, if it looks like that strong thought turns into a snowball, then obviously you've got to step in and say, let that thought go. You don't want her focus, you just want her awareness. So um, you get her to let go of a strong thought and then you just go on about your business. Don't worry about the next thing, just show her leadership. And that's the other thing I want to say is a lot of people that I see, even though they using my methods and stuff like that, they get so thoughtful about everything their horse is doing, they lose their own leadership and they lose their own, um, you still make decisions, but sometimes we can lose our, uh, the horse's belief in how good of decisions we make. So what I say, what I say is someone goes, if I'm walking along and a horse gets a strong thought, I won't even turn around and worry about it. I'll notice it. I might step somewhere else, pull on the rope in a certain way and keep walking like nothing ever happened and the horse, comes along with me looking at my leadership. I don't I don't notice it and do something about it and then make a whole lesson of it. I just do it and get on about my business. So as soon as that horse has let go of the thought, it's following the feel of me and I'm doing something over here. So, so I, I try and maintain my strength of leadership the whole way through and not turn into a manager. So that's the other thing I want you to think about. Am I managing my horse um, or is it managing itself? so also in a clinic environment some horses that have got strong thoughts and they're bouncing around instead of doing getting their focus three times i'll do something big once like i'll pop a flag that might frighten the horse and i'll go what, what was that and i'll go i don't know something blew up and it goes oh crikey i might have to pay a bit of attention and then i spend the next half an hour with a horse that's present and attentive but not hyper focused on me it just became more responsible for itself so if a bomb goes off in the arena uh, that horse might go, I need to be in here, not out there because something just happened in here and I need to process what's happening in here more. So then that horse is processing me, is processing the people who are sitting on the edge of the arena, it's processed where the mounting block was, all that because of its uh, the element of caution that, I, that, that that explosion in the arena provided. So, you know, there's things like that can help those horses start to become uh, better at managing themselves instead of us managing them. So, yeah, it's a whole bunch of stuff. But in the, in the underlying note, I thought, is maybe give some things to that get gives that horse a responsibility and caution. Some people just put a heap of poles in a pile or whatever, get them to walk over poles. But I would like to get the horse out a little bit and just work on, let go of the strong thoughts that are causing a build of freeze and anxiety, um, but just basically come into the conversation to, you know, let's go through here, let's go over that and think about things like that. And, um, yeah, try and hand the responsibility back to your horse a bit more. Uh, And don't put too much pressure on yourself to make everything right and make, you know, uh, just... And and maybe do uh, a few less things, but over time expect a little more in those things. And that's the one thing I say to people. We don't want to do too much and expect everything in everything. We want to just, you know, just do a couple of things and get the horse to process and be very present in those couple of things, and then, and then we can move along to the bigger things later on.
0: Next question is for Ginny, and she's a new member, finding the videos and the podcasts extremely helpful. That's wonderful to hear. Thank you, Virginie. Ginny has a two-year-old, Friesian Cross Paint, and she would like to know how she can find the right balance between maintaining his confidence whilst ensuring that he is focused and doesn't develop destination thinking patterns. For example, when they go for a walk, he's keen to go and touch, smell, explore, and chew on everything, regardless of whether he's in a new environment or not. She'd like to keep this inquisitive mindset, but ensure that he can also be focused. She's noticed that if he decides to go and see something, but she wants to take him into a new direction, he'll brace and become sticky until he's let go of that thought. So she can see how that could develop into a bad habit and harder to manage if it's not addressed now, but she doesn't want to stop him exploring. So um, how does she go about it? And also her question is that that if she does stop him from exploring, does that damage his confidence?
1: Um, This is it's good. It backs onto the, yeah, the last question very well because it's uh, the, the balance. And I talked about it just, just, just briefed on it a bit before was, you know, when I, when Tom Dorrance might have mentioned the saying, feel, timing and balance, everyone sort of really wonders, oh, well, they, they say, oh, my feel's not good enough. My timing's not good enough. And I go, oh, don't worry too much about that. You, you'll slowly get better at that. And even if your feel wasn't quite right and your timing wasn't quite right, I think balance is the biggest key in training. So sometimes people think, oh, balance is how the horse balances in its body and it bal- you know balances as in, you know, balancing on a post or something. But no, it's the balance of of everything that we do with our horses. Um, and one of those most important learning balances is the balance between, the, the balance of um, curiosity and caution, okay? So everyone loves curiosity in training, so they want to develop curiosity. Well, my horse is curious. It sniffed the float or oh, did this. It's good. It's, it's searching. You know, it, it was the horse's idea to do this. So that's that's all that curiosity stuff. Curiosity without caution is very dangerous. That's what we have to also see. So, um, what will ruin curiosity more in a horse is if, uh, sorry, is if you let curiosity um, cause the horse to make an even bigger mistake. So, uh, if. Your horse, say for instance, here's an example. You put your horse float out in a paddock, put hay in it, and the horse goes in and out, in and out of that horse float. And curiously went in there, found some hay, and went, wow. It wasn't that cautious, but you know, it didn't really think about the float because the food was in there. So it went to the food and kind of bypassed a bit of the things that it should think about on the way in and anyway ate the food. And then you thought, well, I've done a good job. I'm going to tow it down the road. Next minute, the horse goes ballistic in the horse float that horse will never go near a horse float again because we allowed curiosity to ruin its caution. So if we let a horse become over curious, one day it will do something that it shouldn't have done that causes a consequence that's so big that its curiosity will disappear in that area. So if we were to put a boundary in earlier and set up a certain level of caution as the horse went into the horse float and we gave the horse the skills to cope with conflicts before it started to go into that environment, we would still have a curious horse and its curiosity wouldn't get wouldn't have got destroyed purely because we put the right element of caution in all the way through. Okay? So curiosity without caution will cause a huge conflict later on that could kill curiosity altogether. So that's the consequence of not putting caution in in the early stages of training. So uh horses, if they've grown up in a herd, they have like a better balance, a big herd of curiosity and caution. They are easier to train because of that, because the herd has taught them caution, but the horses have still had room to be curious and eat grass and things like that. So, So basically... Um, a foal walks up to an older horse doing that mouthy thing, and they're kind of curious, but they're very cautious. So they're actually presenting curiosity and caution all in one, coming up to the other horse because they don't want to get hurt, and they and they're kind of wondering what to do, but they, they're showing. But but then you get the horses that come to clinics that have never been raised properly, and the owner will say, "Oh, you should see this." Like I said, the, you know, the horse has got lots of bite marks over it, and say every single day this horse just runs into the horses, gets bitten and kicked out, and every so day it does it again. So that horse has all this curiosity, no caution, but it's so resilient that it can put up with all those bites every day. Maybe it was born in a different environment. It might've been different, I don't know. But, um, but what I'm saying is uh, caution won't kill curiosity. You've just got to put boundaries on certain things. So your horse needs boundaries because if it just lives through curiosity, the thoughts, as you're starting to already notice, become fixated and stronger. And if you just reward curiosity, you, will, you could end up training your horse into a gazer or, or a fixator that destinates. So what, what curiosity ends up done if it's un, 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 um, unchanged is your horse will learn to go to things. Like so, a lot of curious horses go, oh, what's that over there? And they learn to stare at something over there and they go to it. Like it's a, oh, there's hay at that or there's, you know, what's in that hole or what's over there. So they actually fixate on it and walk to it. They don't actually process their environment as they walk to it. So some some over-curious horses get very good at targeting things. And then when they get anxious, as in if they haven't learned to deal with anxiety properly in their training, they're the ones that end up going out into an environment and they go, oh, I've got tunnel vision. I've just got to get over to that gate and I'm going to block everything else out. So their curiosity has turned into um, targeting and their targeting has turned into a way of um, blocking out the things they need to to, to understand. So um, I think it's very important that you, you set up boundaries on the way whilst you're training your horse. And and it could be um, you get a horse to go towards its thoughts, but you um, don't let it destinate on something that wants to go and play with all the time. You try and put a boundary in place to say let go of that thought um, don't go to that object and then you redirect it or something like that. You let it sniff things, you let it be present in its environment, but not always do whatever it wants to do. So you could say, let go of that thought, let's go over here. And then after going over here for a little bit, then the horse starts to get a strong thought that starts to fixate on a destination. Then you say, let go of that thought, once you come over here, okay? Um, it's when you just micromanage them and control them and restrict them that you'll end up with a horse that stops searching. So you'll be fine. But um, yeah, caution is healthy. And I think caution is how horses stay safe. It's, and it's also a horse that has the right amount of caution remembers everything so much better.
0: Just got a comment on it too because I just uh want to understand in my mind that if she's doing something with this young horse so you know um two years old but obviously he's quite confident I think in himself by the sounds of it he's he's wanting to go and sniff at lots of things but whatever they're doing together presumably if that is a learning situation um then that's this is an opportunity for her to also establish herself and how he sees her and how he responds to her so um, if he's off sniffing things and it's just allowed to happen, but then, it, then you know, he she asked something of him, wouldn't it be more consistent if it was actually a learning, you know, this is what we're doing, you're following the lead, we're going to do this sort of exercise. And no, this is not a time for sniffing because it's learning. Yes. Is that also so? A good so So
1: um, you want a horse to sniff things and absorb things, but sometimes they only sniff the things that they're curious about, which is, oh, what's that one over there? And sometimes they'll go towards the positive things and just not be curious of the negative things. So some horses are very good at trying to understand what they're frightened of, some horses are very good at just going to something that they like and not thinking about what they're frightened of. But even, you know, you let them explore, you let them sniff something, but if they get kind of playful and curious for too long, or you think that's starting to happen too often, then you say, let go of that thought. Let's just come over here. So that all you're trying to do is, is keep a bit of curiosity in them. But when you say, let go of that," are they? Is it very easy for them to let go of that? That's all. So you can let them sniff and then say, let go of that uh, and make sure they do and then do something else. And then sometimes before they go to the next thing, you might say, let go of that. I've got another idea. Let's go over here. So you interrupt it sometimes before they get to the destination. Sometimes you let them sniff something and then you say let go of it. But as long as they don't start to hang on to those things for a long time and, and they're very interruptible, as in very easy to interrupt, then, then, then you'll, you'll be fine as long as you can interrupt them before and after whatever they, were, whatever they were thinking about.
0: Okay, that's super. Thank you very much, Mark. I hope that helps um, all the questions that have come through. And um, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, everybody.
0: Just imagine how much you could learn from Mark and his unique perception. He's been developing training that turns many of the standard horsemanship approaches on their heads for decades and to great benefit for all. Online training videos available now at marklangley.com.au